Welcome to the Multiply Network Podcast, a podcast created to champion church multiplication, provide learning, and inspire leaders to pioneer new disciple-making communities across Canada. Hi there. Welcome to the Multiply Network Podcast. We're on episode number two. Thanks for tuning in again. My name is Paul Fraser. I'm going to be your host for today. Excited about our interview with Pastor Dave Knutson from Port Alberni, British Columbia. Has planted a church called Community Life Church. And uh, it's a fantastic story. Uh, Dave works bivocationally, and he's got some insights that I think are going to be helpful for you. Uh, maybe hearing their story will be encouraging. He's got a couple jobs outside of Church World to help support the church and his family, and I think he's got some really great things to say, so hopefully stick around for the interview. If you haven't checked out our website, Multiply Network, uh, it's poc.org backslash Multiply Network. Great stories, blogs, articles. I think you'll be encouraged by that. All right, here's the interview. Well, we're really excited to have a good friend of mine, uh, Dave Knutson from Port Alberni. Great leader, entrepreneurial thinker, and a bivocational planter working out there. Dave, welcome to the Multiply Network podcast. Hey, Paul. Glad to be with you today. Dave, uh, you've got a lot of interesting ideas and stories and journeys uh, that you've been on, but you've been led to this church planting in Port Alberni. How did you get to that journey? And maybe tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sure, Paul. Well, it's, uh, first of all, just a privilege to be on this and to get the chance to speak to church planting in Canada and speak to uh, church planting across our, our nation. A um, little bit about me. Uh, 20 years in ministry as of April 1st this year. So um, kind of been doing it for a bit. Uh, most of that time worked in an existing church. So uh, served in uh, multiple different churches and then also traveled. And for, for my wife and I, that was really where the church planting bug started. Uh, we served in Northeast India, uh, all across Northeast India with a exponentially a growing church planting movement. And we saw such cool things happening where God was just exploding the church. And we really, uh, you know, recognizing it's a different culture, different place, but we really grabbed the, the passion and the, the heart for seeing churches multiply and for seeing churches explode. And, uh, you know, one of the things that they, they really believe there, and this kind of has shaped what we're doing is, when Jesus said that, you know, they desired all people to come to the knowledge of him, they really believe it. And they're just willing to do whatever it takes in terms of the structure, the form, the function of the church. They're willing to do whatever it takes to see that happen in their, in their communities. Um, so for us personally, um, it's, I, I, my journey is kind of interesting because we actually pastored in Port Alberni. Uh, literally, like I say, 20 years ago, I got hired at a church and actually at a Christian Reformed church, which is another whole long story. Coming up, I'm a Pentecostal kid. My parents are Pentecostal pastors. But uh, through a series of God things, got hired into a Christian Reformed church as a youth pastor and served in Port Alberni in this community uh, for about eight years, almost nine years. In that time period, 
God began to pour these incredible dreams of seeing uh, this community transformed and specifically a dream of seeing 900 people worshiping him here in this community. Uh, it was a dream that for me was so big that I just went, all right, God, I, I don't even know how to do this. And along the way, he led us to a season of prayer. Specifically, um, we would get up every morning, my wife and I, and we would go and walk around our local high school. And we spent over six months doing that, where every morning at six in the morning before anybody was up, we would get up and we'd go walk and pray for an hour. And he led us again to, to travel and to, to learn about church planting. And then ultimately has led us back to Port Alberni to plant this church, Community Life Church, um, and to plant the gospel. And, and really, uh, not just to plant, a, you know, a, a church gathering, but to, to come into pastor Port Alberni. And that's really our call, we feel like. It, it's not just to pastor Community Life Church, but to pastor Port Alberni. And to be on mission here, and so that's that's what we're doing here in Port Alberni. So that's so good to hear too, because I think sometimes we think about growing the church and not pastoring the community. And I love that that is your passion to be a you know it'd be a disciple making community there and planting the gospel, and then a church seems to grow. So love that, and you yeah. have family there too. Yeah, we do actually. Yeah, and it, you know that's a an added bonus for sure uh in terms of coming home we have young kids still so it's nice to be closer to grandma and grandpa or oma and opa for us uh and it's it, you know and yet at the same point it really wasn't a main driver for us um we never intended or expected to ever be back in this community but through a season of again of prayer and that i was actually serving at the alberta district working with you paul yeah. um, on staff uh, helping oversee church planting and um, God just continued to speak through to us through different people and through the word and through seasons of prayer um, and call us back to Port Alberni. Uh, one of the things I want to say, you know, that sort of why Port Alberni, you asked that, um, it, it's kind of intriguing in the sense that, you know, all of the, the rules around church planting are you're supposed to go where there's lots of growth. Uh, you know, where we're, we've got exploding areas in a city and there's new neighborhoods happening that's kind of the, the idea ideal is to go there um, for us Port Alberni is kind of the opposite it's actually a small it's a smaller town you know about 30,000 people and uh, it's shrinking um, and the economy is doing bad and kind of everything's going backwards there but for us we part of the call there is we felt like uh, and it's kind of maybe backwards, but we felt like where the greatest need is, the greatest opportunity exists. So in the sometimes we think, you know, where the greatest growth is, and, and I, I think there is truth to it as well. But for us, we really felt like where the greatest need is, the greatest opportunity exists. Yeah. And, and we've seen that actually, where as we lean in and bring the kingdom to bear and bring the gospel into our community, not just into our gatherings, but into our community. And we're doing that in a whole bunch of ways, which we'll chat about today a bit. Um, the response is actually greater than what we would have found in a community where everything's kind of going really fast and growing and, and everything's going well. Uh, in this community, in Port Alberni, uh, people are so much more responsive because everything's going backwards and not very many people are actually thinking forward. And so there's, a, you know, easier traction. People are on board with us faster. Um, it's kind of neat. So cool opportunity, I think. And you've lived in both. You've lived in both types of communities. Yeah. 
you know, where yeah, the absolutely. the growing forward momentum ones, and now you're here in Port, Port Alberni. Why don't you tell us a couple wins, some of the things you've been experiencing? You've been at this now how long? Two and a half years. Yeah. So what are some of the wins you've seen uh, in Port Alberni planting? Yeah, absolutely. I'll tell you one story. So it's a story of a young mom uh, just from the spring, actually, so just a couple months ago. And uh, it kind of it lays out the picture of who we want to be as a church and, and a win for us. So uh, it was the first Sunday that she, she was coming to church, so to one of our Sunday gatherings. And uh, so she's coming to church and she's inviting a friend to come. She's telling my wife this story. And she says to her friend, hey, you should come to church with me. You'll love my church. And we're, Robin, my wife, she's, she's listening to her saying, she's like, well, you've never been to our church, right? What are you but she goes on, she's telling her friend, no, and she's telling us, telling her all about our church. And we're kind of laughing because the reality is this, she's never stepped foot into our Sunday gathering, but she sat at our dinner table. We've been in parties with her. Um, we stood on the side of soccer fields with her when I was coaching her kids. Uh, we've had all, we picked up garbage, at, you know, around some of our local area as service events. And she's done all of those things with us before she's ever come to a Sunday gathering. And, and she knows who we are. She has been part of our church without ever being part of our Sunday gatherings. And the heart for us is we want to be real people in real life with a real God. So we want to be in our community and be the church, not just do church. And so for me, that's a win where, you know, a mom who's never, and she, she's a, I think she went to church as a kid, like as a teenager, but hasn't been in 15 years. And yet she's part of the church already before she's ever come to a Sunday gathering. I like how you, and, and the, sorry, ahead, sorry. Yeah, yeah, sorry, Dave. I, I no. just want to jump on that one thought that yeah. we're not doing church, we're being the church. Why don't you unpack that a little bit more? Because I think that's a really good thought for planters out there focusing maybe too much on the Sunday morning gathering. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and just to be clear, I think there's incredible importance in gathering together. I think it's part of the call of the body of Christ is to gather together. So we're not... Um, you know, putting that aside or not doing that. We, we do that and we put energy into it and time into it, resources into it, but it's only a part and a small part, I believe of what it looks like to, to be the church and to church plan. And, and it really fits with the, you know, I, I mentioned earlier that thought and that idea of how do we pastor our community, not just our church. Um, and so, I mean, another, a great example of that, um, this, this Christmas, I sit on a, a board, uh, in town, we, uh, help with low income housing in town. And it was actually an interesting one. So I'd been sitting with the mayor of our community for months. And every time I'd sit with them, I'd just say, Hey, how can we serve? We want to be here and serve Port Alberni and I, over and over. And so, uh, about it's over a year and a half ago. Now he tapped me on the shoulder or called me up. And I said, Dave, so my wife and I are starting this low-income housing project, and we really need your help. And, and, he, and he's asking me because I've been available to him, I believe. You know, I've, I've been putting myself in that place. He knows that I'm here to help. So he, he, he asked us to come and do all of the property management for this full apartment building, which to me, I, you know, I've got a background, and we'll talk a bit more about my vocational. I do construction. Um, and we were doing a ton of renos on the, on the building as well. 
but I haven't done property ma- management. But but again, our 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 um, what we felt called to is just to sort of have our hands open and just to say, God, whatever you want, whatever you put in our hands, we want to be faithful to that. And we felt like this was one of those opportunities. And so uh, I say all that to say, I remember a moment, um, it was kind of pre-Christmas, end of November this last year, where we had a Sunday gathering and we didn't have a huge crowd out that Sunday. And we were kind of leaving discouraged. You know, it wasn't like rah, 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 everything's going. But the Monday night, I'm sitting in this meeting. So I'm sitting with the mayor of our community, his wife. There's three other council members that are part of this board. Um, the president of our hockey operations for our local junior teams on the, like it's this group of leaders in our town. And we're talking about Christmas upcoming. Cause one of the things we decided to do as a church is that we are going to do baskets for everybody in this apartment building and just kind of bless them. And so I'm describing this to the, to this board and they're all sitting there going like, you're, you're going to bless these people and you're going to do what? And it was like this moment where, for me, I just said, I said it to my wife, to Robin, afterwards, I said, I was pastoring these people. I was, I was breeding generosity, the call of the gospel to be generous with our finances and our resources. And, and it was, I was planting that seed and they caught it where they're like, well, can we pay for it? I'm like, no, 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 we got this cup. Well, how can we help? And, and it came into this whole conversation where now they are going, how can we be generous to these people as well? And they, came up with you know they added a bunch of like gift cards and money to the baskets and um i just it was one of those cool moments and then that same week my wife is really involved with our school and uh, she had that similar opportunity to pastor in that kind of setting and we went you know so our gathering wasn't huge or exploding and that in that week and some weeks it's up and some down as is church um but we're we're pastoring beyond the four walls and beyond our gathering point. And it was really cool. So a couple wins. Yeah, those are, those are fantastic wins and uh, super, super unique. Um, Dave, you've got an interesting setup. You, t- you mentioned a little bit about some of your construction history, but it's not just a history. It's your present as well. Yeah. And you're working by vocational. What are some of the other things you're doing to, uh, you know, to help pay the bills and not put as maybe as much um, onus on the church to help cover, you know, expenses? Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you decided to do when you moved out to Port Alberni to do this church plant? Yeah, that's a great, great question, Paul. So for me, um, kind of sat in a, in a unique role prior to coming into this church plant in that um, I was helping with church plants. So I had this wonderful privilege of watching the and helping walk alongside of guys from the district pers- perspective. Uh, what does it take and what are the pitfalls and what are the holes and, you know, how can we sort of mitigate some of those? And as every church planner listening to this and hopefully every senior pastor will understand Finances are one of the um, the largest sort of needs, pinch points, problem potentials in church planting. And so for us, we just said, you know, we want to try and do this in a way that uh, two things. One, mitigate some of that risk. So reduces the, the um, pressure on the church plant to kind of explode 
and to be fair, to really pull people from other churches. Because uh, to get good tithing base to start with, you need existing Christians. Even if you see a whole bunch of church, uh, people saved right away, chances are they're not going to start tithing right away either. So if you want, if you know, if they're, the more pressure, and we really didn't want to do that. We don't want to pull people out of other churches. We wanted to reach lost people. So uh, we made a decision really early on to be bivocational. The second point to that, though, too, is as much as it was from a monetary perspective, like that was the, the, the purpose or the reason behind it, um, we also, I really feel strongly that there's a huge missional component that is involved in that. And um, there's something so valuable for me in our community about being a contractor, um, you know, that I'm working with my hand. We're in a blue collar town. It's a mill town that the conversations that happen after church with lots of the guys in our church, as we're connecting and gathering, it's almost always construction related, building related, um, and, and kingdom related, you know? And so there's this opportunity to both build the kingdom, but also serve in our community. So, um, uh, does that answer your question? Paul? Yeah, totally. And so you've decided to, to do a bit of construction. I know that you do some coaching with church planters still. You're quite involved with the BC Yukon district. Dave, maybe now you've walked this journey for two and a half years, some strengths to the bivocational model, maybe some weaknesses that you've noticed. Um, I, I do see this. We're going to talk about this a little bit later, but I see bivocational church planting probably growing in Canada. So just as kind of on the front edge, maybe pioneering some things, what are some strengths and weaknesses to this model? Yeah, so uh, again, I I think the strengths, some of the things I said, I think there's uh, less strain on the church to start with. So, you you know, you don't need to raise as much. But but I will take to that as well. You know, one of the things... And I'll just kind of speak the sort of rabbit trail for a quick second here. Um, one of the things that I watched as I was helping church planters is the struggle in Canada with our church plants at year four and year five financially. So a lot of our models exist that exist. We sort of have these three-year funding models where our district will support for three years. Um, a lot of our donors or people will help, you know, external donors will help for that kind of first two, three years. Um, and the pressure's really on to get to a point where we're self-supporting in three years, which I think is kind of comes out of a, a lot of our pictures we see in the U.S. where that sort of that works. Um, recently, some of the, the research, you know, Ed Setzer, uh, church planting research that has happened just maybe in the last year, we can see finally some data that actually points and shows us that uh, it's more like five years six years in Canada before we're self-supporting. And so anyway, and I've watched that with guys as I've walked with them, that year four and five are tough. So one of the things that we recognized was that uh, if, you know, as you're starting, there's, it's easier to raise money to start with. People are right on board with you. And we were able to get contingency funds already in place for year four and five at year one. So we were able, because we were part-time, so by being part-time, by being bivocational, we, I know that we can fund this church plant through year five. From the first day we opened, we were already set to do that. 
So that's a big deal because <laughs> it takes some of that pressure off, like the finance pressure. Now, now the flip side of that is I have to work to make up the other part. Right. So then there's some added pressure. So the pros and cons to this. <laughs> yeah. So maybe talk uh, about some of the, you know, some of the weaknesses maybe to it, you know, you're not able sure. to give, you know, 40, 45, 50 hours a week to the church. You've yeah. got, you know, the same number of hours in a day as anyone else. And, yeah. and much of that time is set for construction or coaching yeah. or what, yeah. what are some of the weaknesses maybe that you're noticing in this model? Yeah. So um, I, I would say you still do as much church stuff. The, the weakness comes in the reality that I just run more, <laughs> you know, uh, I probably don't do much less actual church work. I just, my schedule is fuller if that makes sense. So, um, and, and I, I know we're talking bivocational technically right now. I'm actually tri-vocational because I work, I work for our BC district on staff, uh, in a contract role with them and I do run a construction company and I'm church planning. So, um, yeah, so I run like that. The downside to it is I, I run now it fits me. I, I like to push hard and it, you know, I'm a young guy and all of that. Um, but I do have a young family too. And so balancing that, the downside I'd say is energy. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm pretty intentional with my kids about giving them my time, but the piece that I've wrestled with a lot and I still am struggling with and to try to figure out is how do I give them my best energy, not just my best time. Cause I, I find often that even the times that they'll get, I, I'm tired, I'm running. Right. So, um, so still trying to figure that out and uh, some days better than others. Yeah. And I know you, you're mentioning that we chat a little bit before the podcast for this next question, you know, what kind of uh, boundaries or rhythms have you set up? And, and you, you know, you're, you're like, I don't know if I have great answers, but I think what we're wanting to hear is honest answers. What are some yeah. of the things that, that you find difficult or some of the things you found to work as it relates to, managing your energy, managing your time, having good rhythms and boundaries, um, not having one, you know, too much, maybe work bleed into ministry and ministry bleed into family and family bleed, you know, how, how yeah. have you tried to figure this out, Dave? Cause you're balancing a lot. Yeah, that's a good question, Paul. Um, and again, uh, as I said, sort of pre the, the, uh, Paul, podcast some days better than others <laughs> some days it's great some days it's not great at all so yeah and um i would say one of the things that i've tried to do is i've tried to be super intentional with my my work so my contracting company um to make it ministry so um i've tried to bleed as much of that and and it's kind of cool actually again you know as pastors this is what we preach from our pulpits is that we are called to be ministers in our workplace. So for me, I, I have been so intentional. I hire guys intentionally that I want to connect with. I, I hire guys that I want to connect with. Um, so I'll hire sub trades that I've been working on that I play hockey with that I sit on a bench. Like I, I'm being so, I'm trying to use it as intentionally as I can. And, and you know what the cool part is too, when I do, like I, I was framing up a building, I don't know, two months ago or so framing a garage for a guy. 
so I hired a, a you know a second and a third hand for for a week as we're framing, and uh, they're guys that have been to church you know once one of the guys has, and I've been connecting with them. I play on a hockey team with them already, and it man I get like eight hours a day while we're doing ten hour days to just we're just chatting all day we're working together right and so and there's something about it with guys as well where you know you're not always looking at each other in the eye which guys don't do as well um but it's like an extended golf time but we actually built the building at the same time right so yeah not you know not like golf where you kind of waste your time i'm just kidding no i know you and i i know you and i play golf lots but um that's back when i was just the single pastor not by yeah yeah no time for golf anymore hey no no time for golf (laughs) well i like no but so so trying so my boundaries that's good that i've put i'm trying to make i'm trying to see as much bleed as I can to try and hit both at the same time. Um, the other thing, so I prioritize it. So I, I'm really specific about what's important to me. So Good. my fa- like God's first. So that, that God time is really important to me. Um, my family comes second before church, long before church. So uh, my kids sports, uh, you know, helping with, I coach their teams. So again, there's a ministry component to it. But but my focus is definitely on my kids, right? Um, and so I'm just trying to be as intentional as I possibly can uh, in in uh, you know prioritizing and setting those things. So yeah, and uh, it's gonna you know sometimes in in church planting you're already doing a ton. You yeah. know, you're doing a little bit of everything. You're you're the communicator, the worship leader sometimes. Sometimes you're the janitor. Sometimes yeah. you're a little bit of everything. And then you add bivocational life to it. I just can't see a way forward without being really clear with your priorities. Like actually yeah. interrogating your time and going, what is most important to me? Because uh, church planting is hard enough. Adding other pieces to it, uh, yeah, that's going to make it more complex. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I I will say, though, too, you know, as we get started in a church, and it depends on the model, depends on what you're doing. But, you know, when when you're like for us, we started from scratch. So we're not we're not coming into it with a large group to start with Uh, in the in the beginning, like when we were first getting started. um, In many ways, there's lots of days, church planting wise, where you're like, you don't have a whole bunch of people that you're pastoring right now. If anything, you're you're trying to sort of look for those people, but many times during the date, people are at work, they're busy. You know, it's not, uh, you know, there's no benefit. Well, I shouldn't say no benefit because there can be sometimes, but to go sit in a coffee shop for six hours and do it, it there isn't, it doesn't, it doesn't exist. So yes, yeah, so, you know, you've got sermon prep still and you have some, but, but not even totally the same as well. So um, I don't know. There's, I think there is, there's some room there, you know? So, yeah, and I think it gets busier as you grow, to be honest. But oh, sometimes, yeah. just depending on your model, again, um, you know, it'll be different for a multi-site where you're coming with a large group or, or you're you're you know launching large, um, you know, arc model, those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, in more of the entrepreneurial model where you're going after lost people, you know, if you're starting with twenty people in a room, I mean, it's not a lot of. You're not talking tons of relationships, like yeah. capacity-wise, you know. It's way less than the 200 youth that I had at my last youth group. Right. <laughs> you know, like yeah. it's it's less work actually. Yeah. 
initially, and, which is kind of counter to what you think it would. Yeah, initially, and it's kind of counter to what you would think because old oh, church planning is a lot of, and yes, it is a lot of work, but it's. I mean, so is pastoring. So oh, yeah. let's be honest, right? Oh, so are a lot of things, but you know, certainly uh, the church planting thing. And I understand what you're saying. You know, when there's when you're first starting out, especially kind of that missional community model yeah. where you know you're really trying to. Uh, seeing new people come to Christ and be super intentional out of deep relationship. Like you and I have chatted about yeah. your model. It's very, you know, it's a very slow grow kind of crock pot type idea where it's like a slow cooker because yeah. you're wanting to build a really strong foundation. The advantage yeah. you have though, is you do sit in, uh, you know, in the BC district, you're in the Alberta district, you see lots of different models and and all seeing varying amounts of success. So, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And so the question I have for you, you know, you've got that 30,000 foot view. What do, what's the future of church planting in Canada? What, what do you think we need to be pushing on more? Um, are there models out there that we're not using yet that you've come across? This is your chance yeah. just to share vision with us. Yeah, no, it's good. Um, I'm going to kind of talk to what we're talking about and answer that question. I think one of my favorite quotes when it comes to sort of what we're doing, what we feel called to, and I think maybe has more traction or potential for traction in Canada is this slow growth model. Um, one of my favorite quotes is that the idea that we overestimate in the short term, what we can do and we underestimate what we can do in the long haul. So we have this picture of, you know, we want to, and I think it's maybe a, piece of my kind of generation or culture or era that we overestimate so we want to get something really going fast go 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 and then we're really um, discouraged when it doesn't go as fast and as big as quickly as we think it should um, but then you know currently we also don't we don't really have that long picture view so for us um, part of that slow grow model is we're we are committed to this for the long haul and we're committed to do whatever it takes to stick with it for a long haul. And I don't know, I, like I, I, I traveled at one point um, as a, when I was a youth pastor on staff up in Edmonton, the large church. Um, um, and I traveled to three of the largest youth ministries in, in uh, Western Canada. All of them at that point were over a thousand teenagers a weekend meeting. And I asked the same question of all three guys. I said, what's the secret sauce, you know? And, and all of them said the same thing, longevity. The shortest term for one of those guys at that point was 12 years. Wow. And one of them had been there 17 years as a youth pastor in one church. Unheard of, right? And so you look at it and you go, okay, there's something to this longevity. So, so I say that to say, uh, to answer your question, what is some of the future of church planting? I think we need to relook at our timelines and expectations and kind of our planning process for church planting where we actually maybe start to look a little bit longer and maybe it's five years to start with maybe it's seven years uh, you know we've kind of had that three-year picture so okay how can we relook at this and go okay this is going to take five years and we're going to be behind this for five years and we're going to resource it for five years and we're going to coach it and you know, finance it and support it and get behind it for five years or seven years or whatever that takes. Uh, and not, not dissimilar to what we do in missions, to be honest. 
where we're going to go on mission and, and we're going to, that picture, you know, give me this place, give me Scotland or, or I die, you know, the give me Port Alberni or I die kind of an idea. We're here and we're going to plant, um, not just, uh, you know, uh, short term. So, so I think one of the pictures, the the future, I think is to lengthen our, our picture around what, what successful entrepreneurial. Yeah. Again, a hundred percent agree. There's different models, different things that work. Yeah. Um, and, and what that can look like. Uh, second to that, and, and, and to be clear, there has to be markers along the way. There's got to be growth. Yeah. You know, it's not, um, you can't stagnate and just sort of get behind somebody for five years and not see anything happen. That's not what I'm talking about at all. There's got to be consistent growth and forward momentum. Right. But maybe not that explosive stuff that we kind of all hope for and expect, but maybe isn't as real as we think. So, yeah. Um, second piece I think is, uh, the future of church planning in Canada. I think, um, I think a lot of it revolves around, uh, how well we will do in shifting towards, um, not just, um, patting our ethnic church planters on the back, but actually engaging them. And, and when I say that, I, I mean, to the point where they're part of our DLTs and our leadership teams and our ethos of who we are as a denomination. I sit in a lot of our, and so as an example of this, um, uh, our our conferences run midweek for a bivocational, for a bivocational church planter. It's really tough to come to a conference midweek when you've got a job that you have to do. Uh, When we run our clusters and our, you know, our meetings and our gatherings during the day, which works traditionally for pastors, primarily pastors, we can't do that for bivocational guys, and especially not for ethnic guys when they're often working like lots of our planters are here, two jobs on top of church, you know, mm-hmm. or two churches on top of two churches, two church, you know. So we have to change some of our systems, I think, and structure and the way we do things to engage them better. Yeah, that's a, gr- I think there's, that's a really great thought. Because I think there's a huge growth potential there. I mean, it, it is our largest growth possible. It is our largest growth in Canada is immigration. Um, and there's incredible opportunity there, I think, for, you know, explosive church planting. So, yeah, we're, we're definitely becoming more diverse in Canada. There's no doubt about that. And if we're not engaging yeah. this growing edge, I agree. But I thought yeah. those are great thoughts for us to think about as leadership teams, as districts. How do we intentionally engage our bivocational planters, cultural language group planters? Well said. Yeah. Any advice yeah. for someone dreaming and thinking about planting or a senior pastor out there about doing multi-site? Like if you had your 30-second elevator pitch to, uh, to promote planting to them, what would you say? Yeah, I'd say this. I would say uh, from all my experience, and I sat literally in, you know, across the desk from 100, 100 pastors in our denomination over the bunch of years now, at least 100 pastors. What I've seen in every, every person, I had a, a list of questions I would ask. Every person is called by God. I have not had one exception where there wasn't a calling to a demographic or to a people group or a specific part of your city, 
what I did see is I saw a lot of fear and I saw a lot of insecurity. So my elevator pitch would be kind of something like this. I, I would encourage guys, gals to step up mm-hmm. and to lean into the spirit of God. I, I'm reminded of the story of James and John where they're pulled before the Sanhedrin after they heal the lame man. And uh, in, in that story, we see them. There's two things that they recognize. They'd been with Jesus and they were full of the Holy Spirit. Come on. And those and those two things allowed them this courage that, and that's the word, uh, you know, in the NLT, the word courage to, to, to do what they could not do. Right. Uh, the second thing I would encourage, um, this is maybe a long elevator pitch, but it's a, four, <laughs> it's a 14 story building. So I'm okay. You mean 40 um, story building, <laughs> 40 story building. Yeah. It's a long elevator pitch, 40 story building. Uh, but the second piece is that there is no right time to it. Uh, and and I'm not saying there's not better times. So I, I'm all for timing and being wise about when and how. Um, but it's always going to be hard. <laughs> yeah. So whether you're an existing church, be feeling called to a, a second service, or feeling called to a young adult service, or feeling called to an ethnic group service, or maybe to a multi-site, uh, I don't think it's going to be easy. It's going to be hard. And so that's again that. I feel that first word, that courage word. Yeah. Uh, so, and it, it's not something we whip up. It's not something we make happen. It's not something we kind of rah, rah, rah ourselves into. It's literally leaning into Jesus and being filled with the Holy Spirit Come on. and allowing him, I, I believe, allowing him to build in us that courage to do what we cannot do on our own. So. Yeah. Courage and perseverance. That's what you're going to yeah. need. Those two in... I would I would add that this was last uh, month's podcast too, but this idea yeah. of a bit of grit and tenacity. Sure. You're gonna need Absolutely. it. You're gonna need yep. it. Hey Dave, thanks for joining us on the Multiply Network podcast. Appreciate your time and uh, very excited for what God is going to do. Thanks for leading so strong and courageous, and thanks for sharing your shot uh, your shots. Thanks for sharing your thoughts. I wouldn't say they were shots. I think they were really good. Uh, thanks for sharing your thoughts with us today. God bless you, my friend. Thanks, Paul. P- privilege and a pleasure to be with you. Okay, take care. Day,